pray, God, that you would, by your Spirit, minister to everyone involved in this service today, whether locally or on the internet. We pray that, Father, your Spirit will connect with our spirits and change us, Lord. We commit our community before thee. We commit our country before thee. We commit every neighborhood that is involved with this virus into your hands, Father, where your churches are. We think of the saints in that Kentucky region, Lord, that has just gone through a trying time. We pray that you'll be with them. Help us, O oh God, to recognize your hand working in the earth. And not to be rebellious, but to submit ourselves to your plan, Father. We ask your blessing on this service today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all be seated. I appreciate the service we had last night. And there is a reality that I want us to come face to face with. And a message could be said over and over so many times that it become a common message. I was talking to, I think, maybe Nadine a couple of days ago, and I said, you know, oh, I was talking to Brother Richard, and I said to him, I said, I don't think I want to preach about judgment anymore. If anyone wants to hear what my belief on and judgment, go listen to the messages for the past two years. Um, the word of God is precious. And what's the point in preaching to people that would not confirm to what you preach? And so I think every prophet in the Bible had the same situation in their own ministry in that you say and the people would not obey or confirm to it the earth today is an angry earth uh, responding to the rebellion of mankind i do not expect the ungodly to act like they're godly the difference with the bible period of time and our time is that most of these prophets were sent to the nation of Israel an entire nation that God wanted to serve him today we are bringing that message out into an ungodly world and the impact would not be the same as if Isaiah was preaching to the nation of Israel we are preaching to a variety of pagan customs and religions. And it's not the same. I can't expect Canada to start serving the Lord because the Lord gave me a message for Canada. No. The ungodly will be the ungodly and the elect will be saved. And so unlike a prophet preaching to the nation of Israel, I'm preaching to a congregation you are the Israel that I can preach to. And you're the ones, you and I are the ones that must respond to the word of God positively and be blessed. Respond negatively 
and come under the judgment of God. We have been blessed in that this region that we are living in and this church is in has not been bombarded, I would say, as yet by serious judgment. During the entire pandemic period, we have been blessed and privileged. And someone says, well, we are in the body of Christ, we should be protected. Well, uh, reality does not say that. We have had churches which, with as much as 50 people in one assembly that had COVID-19. We have had churches where ministers died because of COVID-19. I'm talking body churches. We have had people in our assemblies that are bombarded. Uh, the work in Haiti is stagnated simply because of terrorism within that country, local terrorism. Missionaries were, were um, kidnapped and ransom demands were made. And so that country is suffering and there's a lot of suffering all over the world and we are hoping to God that God will help us as a local church to make adjustments. You would not hear me preaching and strongly telling you to live close to the church and attend all the services. I've done enough of that. I'm tired of doing that. I'm getting to the place. You get tired of doing things and saying it over and over again. And few give, pay attention to what you say. Well, I'll tell you something. I believe God has called me to the ministry. And I believe rejection of what I preach gives God the right to give you strong delusions that you'll believe a lie and be damned. That's what I believe. I would not stand in this pulpit, pulpit today and talk to you if I didn't feel God uh, has called me to the ministry. And so I listened to Brother Sam last night reflecting on the Wednesday night message and we talked about the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ would never be developed if one trying to develop it is outside the will of God. You can't sit down in a cinema and watch a movie, dirty movie, and try to develop the mind of Christ. It's not going to work. You can be on an, an adventure anywhere in the world that God did not approve for you to do and expect to develop the mind of Christ. To develop the mind of Christ is like a woman that has a baby, an embryo being formed in her, and the development of a child. It needs, that child needs a controlled environment. And that is why God has blessed us with the church. It is strange that in Kentucky they have a replica of the ark. And the replica of the ark, uh, Noah's ark, there's a replica in Kentucky that we were uh, able to visit. But a replica is not the real thing. Today, the ark is the church. If the church loses its position and authority and stops functioning the way God wants it to function, it will not 
produce overcomers. And so today, very pleasantly, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more, like I always do, about the Word of God. Much of the messages I preach has done good to me, rather than good to the listeners. And I'm not only tired of telling people about church attendance, I'm not tired, I'm not only tired about telling people about the judgment of God, I'm not only tired about telling people that they need to be in uh, closer to the vicinity that we have church in, but I'm also tired of streaming on the internet. I'm really tired of it because I, all my life I've done much and received little. And one day I said, maybe Lord, maybe my work is uh, wood, hay, and stubble. I questioned myself because if I'm preaching the gospel to you, I must make sure that I'm convinced what I'm saying is correct and what God wants me to say. Being educated does not mean you're eliminated. Presenting a message with a lot of education and man's ideas does not mean it can bring light to the listeners. I mentioned some time ago that I like to read the Awake magazine, not because I want information, but the Awake magazine deals with more current affairs. But if your message cannot reach a grade four student, and it's only geared to reach college graduates and university graduates, you need to go and ask God to help you. Because the simplicity of Christ is lost in a complicated message. Did you hear me? Yes. All right. I told Brother Sam last night when he was preaching, the mouths of the saints were muzzled. I told him this morning, I said last night while he was preaching, the mouths of the saints were muzzled. And the only time the saints respond is when you scream. So next time you get up, scream a lot. <laughs> no, don't scream. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, we sit, and if our minds are carnal by doing carnal things all day, when we come to church at night, we, our mouth will be muzzled. We fight, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. And again, I will say, if the message we preach is so complicated that Ethan can understand, and Jai can understand, and the teenagers we've got can understand, then your message is too complicated. Christ is simple. And if I've got to take a dictionary to church to figure out what you're saying, you need to get saved. You understand what I'm saying? Christ is very simple. And that is what Paul was warning the, the church at Corinth for, because it was a, probably a big job for Apollos to sit down under the ministry of a man that got trained in the wilderness. Christ has not changed. Are you listening to me? John the Baptist 
received his understanding of God and his calling while he was in the wilderness. He was in the wilderness, according to scripture, until his showing the time that God sent him out. And that is why he did not grow up in the environment and under the administration of his dad, who was a priest. If he had grown up in the house of Zacharias, John the Baptist would have been coming out of the wilderness, not with a, a camel's hair clothing. He would have come out with linen clothes that the priest in that time wore. But God de decided to, to uh, put an affront to the religious garment that became a form of godliness, but not godliness. I don't believe that we ought to dress indecently in church, but I believe that our dress should not be an idol in our religion. Over in the book of Exodus, and while I'm preaching this lesson to you today, I want you to sort of figure out, with the holiday coming up, and Christmas coming up, and all the paraphernalia that goes with Christmas coming up to find out if you're involved in idolatry. While you find the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus, I want you to keep that area marked off and turn back with me, turn forward to, with me to Galatians, <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, or, if I can use a simpler terminology, he expresses what the nature of Jesus is in these fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, he tells you what we need to take a hold of. The message on Wednesday night was telling us that we need to stop concentrating on what we've got working in our lives as the works of the flesh. And see if we can put instead into our life the fruit of the Spirit. We need to seek God to fill into that vessel. I use a beautiful illustration that I never did use before. Of a bottle, a container, an urn full of muddy water. And Christ, the rock of all ages, broken up in many pieces slowly is put into that container and the more the rock gets into the container the the more the on the muddy water gets out of the container as the qualities and characteristics of christ is developed in our lives the flesh would be eliminated and brought in subjection or the psalm used the beautiful scripture in colossians uh, the second chapter and the third chapter of Colossians, very beautiful area of the Word of God. But today, here in Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes and he tells you what the works of the flesh are, some areas of it. And sin has advanced since Paul wrote what he wrote here. Now listen to me carefully, don't read until I'm reading, right? Uh, when Paul, when Jesus sent out his disciples, 
he told them what Moses said. He says, it has been said in the Old Testament. He didn't say that, but that's what it meant. That thou shalt not commit adultery. It has been said. Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. He says, but I say unto you that if you look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you have committed adultery. So here, let's look at this. Moses in his law, give the law that we have in Exodus 20, that we're looking back in a minute here. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It means don't go out, a man don't go out and grab a woman and have an illicit relationship with her. That's adultery. Physically, adultery. Jesus said, that's bad, but here is what has become more subtle. By the time Jesus came on the scene, he says, if you look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you have committed adultery. Was sin uh, made easy or tougher? It was made more difficult. And you've got to be careful how you address sin. As time moves on, and it wasn't too many years after, that James wrote, and he says, don't you know, you adulterers and adulteresses, he was talking to the church. You mean they had fornication literal go literally going on? No. He says, friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. In other words, adultery had moved from Moses' day to Jesus' day and become more tricky and subtle. And by the time James wrote, it had become even more subtle in that spiritual adultery is the worst form of adultery you can find. Because that's when you're committing adultery and don't even know you are. And so when we think about it, the works of the flesh here in chapter 5 of Galatians verse 19. And the works of the flesh are manifest in these. Adultery. We're talking about a big subject, more than physical adultery. We're talking more than looking at a woman to lust after her, which you can do in your living room while watching television. We're talking about a subtleness of adultery because the devil has transformed himself as an angel of light. And adultery is a spiritual thing today. That you will pick up and read a book off the Christian bookstore and your mind is contaminated because the author of that book was like worse than Hermanes and Philetus who had one false doctrine. What you read is important. What you incorporate in your life is important. And God is particular about all of this. So we can look at each one of these works of the flesh and preach a message on it. So adultery, fornication, spiritual fornication. The woman in Revelation 17 had a cup with the filthiness of her fornication in it. Spiritual fornication is very predominant in our day. That is what destroyed the body of Christ in Corinth. That is what destroyed the body of Christ in Galatia. 
That is what destroyed the body of Christ, the little that there was in Rome, and in Colossae, and in Jerusalem, and in Philippi. Every church that God started, the devil has successfully undermined and destroyed. And today, having the head knowledge is not as important as having God convict convict us in our hearts and direct us forward spiritually he is coming back for a church without spot spiritual adultery brings more than just spots in our lives and contaminates the work of God and he goes on here he says uncleanness and we can list all of this lasciviousness and then he says idolatry Today, I'd like to touch a little bit on idolatry, spiritual idolatry. It's subtle. About a thing I would never worship idols. You might be surprised to know that your life is full of idols and you're worshiping him without realizing it. By the time this lesson is over, I want you to figure out what a Christmas tree is. I want you to understand when I say worship, what it means. If I worship the person I'm about to marry, does that mean I kneel down and pray to them? No, I just admire them. It's a deep sense of appreciation and admiration. And when you've done something that it's the works of your hand and you stand back and says it looks good, you figure out if God thinks it looks good. Because the body of Christ today has been contaminated. Gradually, we have been contaminated and we need to recognize us and pray that God save us from spiritual contamination. And so I'm leaving the works of the flesh right there and I'm turning back to Exodus. And the Lord gave Moses commandments and the very first commandment he said here in verse 3 of Exodus chapter 20 he says thou shalt have no other gods before me back there it were literal gods uh, if you walk into Egypt and you look around you'll find the gods of the Nile and you'll find all kinds of gods all over Egypt Pagan nation, lots of gods. Well, this commandment still is active today. But as sin has advanced and idolatry has advanced, you and I have to understand and figure out what kind of idols we have in our own lives and pray that God save us from it. Idolatry today is subtle. Your education could be an idol. Your testimony. Somebody can say, well, good testimony, it flies in your head. And you end up in humanism where you become the focus, the central focus of worship and admiration. May God help us today. May this message reach on into your lives and change your lives. 
And ever so often I'll reach, meet someone or someone will talk to me and says, Brother Singh, I thank God. As a matter of fact, yesterday someone spoke to me and says, your message has been converting me over. Keep your mask on, please. Yes, your, your, your message has been converting me. And something like that, whether I hear one in every hundred say that, it means something to me. When we put this message on Facebook, and I'm on Facebook because I want to shop around on Facebook. No, I'm on Facebook because I have a message I can promote on Facebook. Otherwise, I'll take Facebook and shove it out the back door. I don't hunt on Facebook. Not everyone says, I want to be your friend. I join them. As a matter of fact, I need to go through my all my followers, faith, Facebook disciples, and eliminate some. Because if someone just wants to join for the sake of getting more contacts, I don't want to be used in that way. And here... Here it says, the Lord says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. It is important that we find out and examine ourselves and see whether what destroyed the early church and all those churches that a great apostle started, do we have that working in our lives? So that day when I said, Lord, am I building wood, hay, and stubble? A little voice. Not audible, but a little voice inside said, well, don't judge yourself like that. Remember how Paul, what he had when his life was over. Remember how many people Jesus had when his life was over. Remember how many people Jeremiah had believing in what he said when his life was over. Remember Isaiah that they cut him up. God's people saw him in half. Because he did not dance to their music, the hypocritical music of apostate religion in that period of time. Every man of God that God sent, almost everyone was a martyr in his time because God's people did not want to make changes. And the Lord said here in the fourth verse, second commandment. See, the first four commandments deals with a vertical relationship, you and God. The six commandments that follow deals with a horizontal relationship, you and mankind. I'm saying that again. The first four commandments deal with a vertical relationship between man and his God. The six commandments that follow that deals with the human relationship. It's, it's, a, it's a horizontal relationship that deals with you and your fellow man. You cannot serve God and hate your fellow man. It's impossible to serve God that you cannot see and hate the mankind that God has given you that you see. And verse 4 says... Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Anything 
that is a graven image, whether literally or spiritually, becomes an idol. And if the devil is promoting that, why are you submitting yourself to that? And yet at the same time, here is my attitude. If Sister Patricia decides she wants a Christmas tree in her house, I can say you get rid of it. No, 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 that's putting pressure. God has to tell you what you need to get rid of. I just preach the gospel. I will pray for you. I will love you. because Not because I'm seeing what you got, have. That I have to hate you. No. I might not be seeing worse than what I see. There might be elements in your life that I, if I see I drop keel over. I must let God be the final judge. But in an age where the world has gone crazy... Maybe a Christmas tree is just one little element. Before you know it, you will have people that are strange and funny teaching your kids in school. And when you stand and preach against that sin, your kids would think you're funny. You're the one that is strange because that's their teacher. If your teacher is a pervert, it's a pervert. That doesn't change the fact. The word of God must be preached until they ban this Bible in society as hate literature. If you're in this church, don't try to be a part of the dra drag race, drag queen race. What kind of sick society we are living in? How can we build a church that pleases God? When the children of God are slowly being undermined by society and the sick, immoral society we are living in. So God said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image of any likeness of anything that's in the heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the waters under the earth. Graven image, something that you honor, something that you want to uh, give praise to. He says, thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. He says, for I'm the Lord thy God, I'm a jealous God. We've got to examine our lives and remove every idol that is existing in our lives. And someone says, well, you know, Brother Singh... So and so person's got it. I don't care if Angel Gabriel comes down or an angel comes down and says, I'm, I'm an angel. I can't say Angel Gabriel because he would never do that. But if an angel comes down and said, this is what I want you to do. If that angel is telling you to do anything contrary to what God demands, ask the angel politely to get out of your life and your house. Paul said that. He says, if an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. Well, I have an experience. Who did you have the experience with? It is important that our experience is genuine. Brother Sam said last night, 
when we receive the Holy Ghost, make sure it's the real thing. And that is why when we start to fabricate receiving the Holy Ghost and get our little children to say la 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 until they start speaking gibberish, we are destroying more lives than helping the lives. God must raise up ministers today that are not enslaved by apostate Christianity of any form. If the possibility that the church in Jerusalem, I'll change that. If the possibility that the body of Christ in Jerusalem went under, the body of Christ in Galatia went under, four different areas, the body of Christ in Corinth went under, the body of Christ in Rome went under, we are infallible. No. We have a subtle enemy that can do anything to deceive. That's his job. We need to be as wise as the serpent and yet harmless as the dove. When Satan comes up with a wise, subtle means to try to deceive us, we've got to be wiser than him in order to defeat that enemy. May God help us. We need God to help us. And the Lord says, I'm a jealous God. And I'm so jealous that I could affect your forefathers. When idolatry happens and it's accommodated, he says, I would visit the iniquity. And here is a word that's been on our lips for the past months. Inequity. Israel did a lot of religious activity and when Isaiah came, he says, you workers of iniquity. People laden with iniquity. Any form of activity in the church that encourages that activity to be a part of the church that God has not approved is iniquity. That is why we've got to pray that God lead us when we play and we have the band back operating what we play. We've got to understand how God wants his people to worship him. It is important. The temple must be measured. The altar must be measured. And them that worship therein must be measured. And if the parents are eating sour grapes... Hold your finger in Exodus and turn with me to <clears throat> Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 18. And I'm looking at the time. We've got eight, uh, 15 minutes to go. But this is a good day to be in church. Spiritual idolatry must be dealt with. And it needs not only to listen to this message today. But go home and ponder these things in your hearts. Prayerfully ponder these things in your heart. Yes, and may God help you. Roots of bitterness can go back not only to your immediate parents, but to your grandparents and to your great-grandparents. And if you're coming from a pagan background, roots of bitterness might be coming right on in from that background into the body of Christ.
And if the preachers go blind, the congregation will go blind, and not a single soul from that congregation will be prepared and receive the mind of Christ and be a part of the coming kingdom. If God rejected Israel ever so often, don't think us Gentiles have a fighting chance if we rebel against God. Paul said that in Romans 11 chapter. We don't have time to get in all of this, but I'm trying to be as simple as possible. When I preach this gospel, I've been preaching for 50-something years. It doesn't make me superior to anybody, but I felt that God called me. It was so good to go to that funeral in Des Moines. Because had it not been for me and the calling of God in my life, Brother Richard would not have received the message. His sisters, his sisters would not have been in the church. Sister, Sister Ahalia would not have received the message. She would have not had those beautiful children. Okay. Uh, they... Uh, the saints in New York and the saints in Des Moines or Guyanese would not have been there. We would have ended all coming up in Guyana with assemblies of God on our forehead. But God has been good. And he sent me to Guyana. That is why Brother Sam is here. That is why Brother Sinbad and Sister Pam are here. That is why saints in New York Church are here. Because it has had a lasting and progressive advancement. The word of God has reached on into lives and saved individuals. It would be sad if you look back and forget where you're coming from. That's not my job to remind you. God needs to do that. I'm just here to preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. And I'm proud when I see individuals. When we got into Des Moines, <coughs> Sister Lynette and her, yeah. and her husband, Derek, decided to take us out for dinner. And so we went for dinner, and Sister Aziman Kempadu was there in that dinner. And uh, we say, oh, this was a nice, they took us to a very nice place. A uh, beautiful restaurant. You know, I'm not a restaurant person, but we went and it was really good food. I could go back into that restaurant. And when we are ready to say thank you, <coughs> Sister Aziman's son, Nikki, Nick, Nick, he said, I already paid the bill. He undermined them and paid the bill. But Nikki would not have been there had I not gone back to Guyana. Lynette would not have been there had I not gone back to Guyana. Derek would not have been there. We, we have lots of people that got touched. Yes, and if you follow in line and see where God is working from, do not curse the bridges you cross on to get there. I appreciate every man of God, whether in Babylon or out of Babylon, that touched my life, that brought me to where I am today. I love people much more the ones that assisted me in the work of God to be where I am today. 
And today as you listen to this message, may God give you understanding. Here in Ezekiel, the 18th chapter, and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, What mean ye that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel? Why are you using this proverb concerning the land of Israel? What is a proverb? The fathers <coughs> have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Daddy ate sour grapes, and it affected the children. Well, daddy's dad might have had the sour grapes, and his Great-grandfather might have had the sour grapes and it passed on undetected right until my teeth is set on edge. We need to pray and ask God to help us. I love individuals. This morning I was listening to a tape and it was so nice to hear Peter uh, talk on the day of Pentecost. But Matthew wrote some things. Matthew quotes some scriptures. Matthew, when when Moses, uh, when uh, Joseph and Mary were leaving, uh, fleeing for their lives, and went into Egypt, Matthew used that situation, and he says, "Oh, the scripture says, out of Egypt have I called my son." I don't believe he used it really correct, because that scripture was really describing Israel being brought out of Egypt. But he used it. So I said, well, maybe I can use a few scriptures like that too. You mean you're criticizing Matthew? Yes. You're criticizing Peter when he wanted to appoint one to fill Judas's place? Yes. You criticize David because he had Bathsheba as his wife, as uh, somebody else's wife? Yes. I criticize all the negatives that I find in the Bible and I latch on to the positive because no matter how much David did wrong, <clears throat> he was a man after God's own choosing. And you know what? That gives me a fighting chance because if you were to see everything in my life, you'd not follow me across the street. But I'm glad. God give me a fighting chance. And it's because of the men I see good and evil in every man in the Bible. I says, I, got I have a fighting chance. Amen. Amen. Uh, Peter was not going for that soldier's ear when he grabbed his sword and fired off. No, he was going for the neck. But I'm glad Peter was Peter. I'm glad Matthew was Matthew. I'm glad Paul was Paul. I'm glad David was David, and I'm glad this book is a thick book, simply because it has men with weaknesses that God reached on into their lives and changed them. Amen. I have a fighting chance, Amen. and you have a fighting chance. Don't let the devil tell you you don't have a fighting chance. Tell him the Lord Jesus died to save sinners from their sin. Amen. 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 And whether it's a Matthew or it's David or somebody else, we're glad we have a book. And so the parents, this proverb says, the parents have eaten sour grapes. And the kids' teeth are set on edge. How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. It says, the Lord says, as I live, saith the Lord God, you shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverbs, because all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son. The soul that sinneth 
it shall die. Whether, but if a man be just and do that which is lawful and right, he had not and had, had not eaten upon the mountains or you know gone into false religion. That man stands faithful before God. In other words, what I'm saying, if the righteous transgress God's law, he'll be judged. If the ungodly man fulfills the commandments of God, he'll be saved. Like the thief on the cross, it's his last breath. He turned over to Jesus. And you know, he knows he's a thief. Isn't that right? He knows he has stolen all his life. Maybe, I don't know. But he turned to Jesus and said, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus says, sure you'll be with me in paradise. Amen. How you live is one thing. Make sure that when you're ready to die, you die right. Amen. Because death is certain. We don't know when we will die. So live right every day. To the best of your ability. Amen. And so back here in, in Exodus 20 at chapter, <clears throat> it says, And thou shalt make unto thee, uh, verse 5, uh, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to these graven images, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, am a jealous God. And I visit the iniquity. How far does iniquity go? To the fathers, upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation. And I might not know what generation in my background the iniquity started. But it means it is necessary for me to examine myself and trace back the origin of iniquity that might still be in my life. Don't take everything for granted in your life. Let us pray that as we move ahead, every bit of grape effect sour grape effect in our lives God will remove the possibility is there that even our spiritual fathers might have had a sour grape somewhere in their life I've asked individuals over and over again <clears throat> I've asked men that are teachers in this fellowship renowned teachers and I said where did we get the dancing from and nobody can tell me but we got it so when we are ready to worship God we just do some dancing here I don't believe that's what the early church did that's my personal belief I believe that when God must be worshipped, he's a God of majesty. He's a great king. And his people must come in reverence in his sanctuary. We must reverence his sanctuary. Listen, there's a time for rejoicing. But in the worship where we give adoration and praise. I like that song, adoration and praise. We give it to God in reverence. Yes, I sat at the back one day while we were still here. During this pandemic period. And we all stood up. And I decided not to sit there anymore. During the worship. Because the way the sisters were moving. I think I needed to come back and sit up here. Are you all listening to me? Because we must be modest. 
in church and out of church. We've got to make sure that our movements is not motivated by the flesh. Because the flesh is capitalized on by demonic powers. And if the third and fourth generation of them, this judgment comes on, we must make sure we remove idolatry from our lives. Spiritual idolatry might be your certificate you're hanging on your wall. It might be your grandchildren. It mean, might be your immaculate face. It might be so many things in your life. Might be your house <clears throat> that becomes an idol. Spiritual idolatry today is subtle. And if the devil can use that which is supposed to be a blessing to you. And Brother Sam said that. He says the blessing can become a curse. Something like that. What the scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the godly desires of your heart. The, the desires that are wholesome. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. But when the desires of your heart becomes an obsession and becomes an idol, he must judge you and take away the desires of your heart. Nothing is wrong with a beautiful home. Don't worship it. Nothing is wrong with beautiful grandkids. Don't worship them. Nothing is wrong with a job. Don't worship it. I, the Lord thy God, I'm a jealous God, God says. And I will judge not only you, but I'll judge your children to the second and the third and the fourth generation of them that despise my name. May God help us. May God remove spiritual idolatry from our lives. May when Jesus comes back, he'll find a church without spot and without wrinkle. I believe that if we do right, we can spare the society we live in the judgment of God. Because we are God's children. If there were ten righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities that were evil, that were not a part of the Jewish nation, would have been spared. And if we pray enough, and we seek God enough, and we start to let our light shine, and may God help us if we live right, and we are faithful to God, the Lord would spare our city. A massive judgment. This world is angry. And the Lord told Israel, he says, You best keep my commandments, lest as the land spew out, spewed out the Egyptians and the inhabitants and the Canaanites before you, it spews you out too. Because sin, righteousness, exalted a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I'm talking to you today, and I'm hoping that you have ears to hear, and that you would understand how important this little church is, and how important every service is. And if you're a child of God as a part of this church, and you know we have service on a Wednesday night, and you can't make it, but you still can follow us online. Examine your hypocrisy. 
suit yourself. Like men of old that can stand and face the public and stand with your work, Father. Help us, we pray. Save us, we pray. Guide us, we pray. Bless every child of God present here. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen, amen. and amen, and amen.